the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to go over some current Bengals headlines, and then we're going to preview the Vikings game, my thoughts on what we should do in the first series, some coaching suggestions, offensive strategy, defensive strategy, concerns when we're on offense, concerns when we're on defense. Tom McLevy's going to stop in for another McLevy minute. And Sands is going to come by with some excellent observations and a big-time preview of the game as well. What's up, Bengal Nation? This is Adrian the Mad Backer Ross, and you're listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. Who day? Bengals headlines. All right, before we get down to business, I just wanted to say that with Bengals football here, that is truly my favorite thing to do on the planet. I watch every snap of every game. When I know that the Bengals are playing on Sunday, life is okay. You know, nothing bothers me that much during the week. I know that's crazy. It's just a football game. But no matter what's going on, whether it's, you know, your job, your relationship, your car breaks down, anything like that, when you know you have Bengals football on a Sunday, at least me personally, I'm like, you know what? Everything is just all right by me. All right, so the first headline of this week is they name the captains. And they were all kind of pretty obvious, and I was happy for the guys they named. Obviously, Joe Burrow, born leader. We all know his leadership capabilities, great at speaking. He's your quarterback. If your quarterback is not a captain on your team, there's a problem. So obviously, Burrow, captain, excellent. Then you move on to Tyler Boyd, the veteran of that excellent wide receiver group, very productive, very dedicated to the team, Another guy that's very well suited to be a captain. And Joe Mixon, you know, he's put in his time. He's a guy that's always been very team-oriented. And so a guy like that, you want to make a leader. Plus, he's going to get the ball so much this year. He's proven that he's a star in this league. And again, he's so passionate about the team and their success that he's an obvious choice to be that third captain. And then when you move on to defense, Jesse Bates, how could you not? I mean, the guy who organized the voluntary has got everyone there. The best safety in the league last year. I know, take away your big names. He doesn't have the name of some of the other guys that everyone elects to the Pro Bowl and, you know, all pro and stuff. But we all know as Bengal fans that he is the top safety in the league and a very good leader and another guy who's dedicated to the team and winning and a a Bengal first. So another guy that you want to see as a captain. Von Bell. You know, he comes from a playoff team, came here, the juju hit. I mean, the juju hit alone qualifies him for a captain in my book. But he's also a very confident, well-spoken leader and another guy that shows it on the field. He's not going to send other guys into battle. He's going to be the first one sticking his nose into battle. And Sam Hubbard, homegrown product, has loved the Bengals since he was young, put in his time too, got that second contract, you know, has played well over his career an obvious choice for your third captain. And then for special teams, Kevin Huber, you have to. I mean, 13 years in the league, still punting at a a very high level. Excellent choices for captains. Well done, Cincinnati Bengals. All right, let's move on to some personnel stuff. So I think the biggest story of the week was they waived Drew Chrisman and they signed Jake Browning, a former quarterback for the Vikings. Now, we all thought Chrisman was going to be the heir apparent to Huber. I mean, he may still. I, I feel like another team is going to pick him up. But you have other needs right now. We knew they needed a third quarterback on the roster. So good luck to him. And not to say they won't bring him back at some point if no one picks him up. But I think the more interesting part of the story 
is they picked up a quarterback that the Vikings waived. So that's getting a little intel on the Vikings. You know, I think it's a smart move. You know what? Do it every week. You save that 16th spot on the practice squad and pluck someone from that was just on the team that you were playing. I mean, that's great advice. You have a quarterback who was in that system fighting for a job, so he's going to know that system very well. He's going to give us some valuable information. And I know I hate when the Browns, Steelers, and Ravens grab one of our guys right before the season starts and get intel on us. So I'm being a little hypocritical, but, you know, I want to come out in this first game and win it. It's so major that they start the season 1-0 at home against an opponent that's technically higher rated than them. It would be a great win. Pull out all the stops. And if that means grabbing their quarterback that they just waived to get some additional information on that offense, by all means do it. Then Khalid Kareem went on the IR. It's only a three-week IR, which is good. You know, in the old days, it used to be six weeks. In the old, old days, it used to be all season. So that's good. You can put a guy there for three weeks, not have to worry about waving anybody. And we'll see how he heals up. He played very well when he was in there. We'll see what's going on with those shoulders. Hopefully, after three weeks, he's ready to come back, join that defensive end rotation, and keep going. So, you know, good luck to Khalid. I'm rooting for you. I like the way you played last year. Get healthy soon. We can definitely use you this year. And then they brought back Mike Daniels, which was nice. I was very surprised that he got waived. He's a good spokesman for the team, a veteran. He was productive in that defensive line rotation last year. So they decided to bring him back to the practice squad, and they decided to waive Winston Rose, who, in all fairness, struggled this preseason. So I get that choice. Nice to see Daniels back. I know Sands is going to be happy. And Trenton Irwin and Mike Thomas are back. I was kind of shocked that they got waived in the first place, but when they picked up those two defensive players late, I guess someone had to go. Nice to see they brought Irwin back to the practice squad. He's one injury from coming up to the active roster and getting some receptions from Burrow. And Mike Thomas, that was a shocking wave when they when they did cut him, and they brought him back, thankfully, and he's on the active roster. You know, a reliable fifth target for Burrow. So if he's in there, Burrow's going to find him. And then the last thing is they announced the first ruler of the jungle and Man, I didn't know it was going to be a legend. I thought they were going to have, like, a fan be the ruler of the jungle. You know, I was going to throw my hat in the ring. Hopefully, you know, year two, year three of the of the whole thing, you see Frank from the Unofficial Bengals podcast as the ruler of the jungle. But when they're bringing in guys like Bob Johnson, I don't know if I have a chance. I mean, the only Bengal with his number retired, number 54, and there's not a better guy that you could have be the first ruler of the jungle. He was the first Bengal. Week 1 Preview Cincinnati Bengals versus Minnesota Vikings First play of the game. We don't get too crazy. We don't get too fancy. We let Burrow ease his way into the game. First down, you have a tight end, a running back, three wides. All you do, you send someone in motion, and you have Mixon go right, right off tackle. Let's just go right at the defense. Not looking to get 14 yards on this play, but let's hope that we get four yards. You want to control the clock. Second down. Something similar. Same personnel. Disguise the formation a little bit. Maybe a shift prior to snap. Maybe motion. And then you run mix and left. Again, we're looking to get three, four yards on this. Get into a third and short. Don't expose Joe Burrow right away. Don't get fancy. Don't have him drop back seven steps on the first play and throw a bomb to chase. I know that sounds fun, but let's take it. Let's take it a little bit slower. So first down, mix and right. Second down, mix and left. By then, we're only going to need a couple yards for the first down, in my opinion. 
So you go with this four-wide receiver look with a running back in the backfield. Boyd up there in the slot on the line of scrimmage. You have Higgins offset outside. Boyd goes straight. Higgins does a quick cut underneath him. Shotgun snap. Boom. Quick first down. Keep him on their toes. And then we got a first down. Next series, right back to the ground again. Mixing on first down. Maybe a quick running back pass on second down. And then when you get into that second, third down here, we're kind of approaching midfield. I think you take like a goal line stance to it. I know it's crazy. You want to save those plays for when you get down there when the game is a little more urgent. But I like to see us get there on our first drive. You know, imagine Burrow conducting a 12-play drive for a touchdown and we drain seven, eight minutes off the clock. That's my goal for the first possession of the season. You know, Coach Taylor, take it for what it's worth. I think there's some good ideas there. It's, it's going to be up to you to disguise stuff and come up with the clever formations. But I think that's a solid plan. Let's, let's score on that first drive. All right, let's move on to coaching. So I think that in this game, because it is Burrow's first game back, I think you almost have to play the field position time of possession game. Because I know you're thinking about the Vikings, and they can go deep to Jefferson and Thielen, those guys, even Cook, all of those guys can break a long play at any moment. So I know the big play is a threat, but I'm almost feeling this game, let's not get too crazy. No 40 passes for Joe Burrow. Make it a running game, a time of possession game. At midfield on fourth down, this might not be the team or the time to go for it. I think in those cases, punt, get them inside the 10, get them inside their 20, let them march down the field or, or, you know, force them to march down the field. You know, if it turns out that they're just bombing us with big plays all day, then you change the philosophy. But if they're working their way up the field just like we are, let's do the field position, time of possession game and really try to, you know, come out of here with a hard-fought win. And the other big thing, coaching-wise, and now this is Coach Taylor's third year, so this is where you start really hitting your stride. He was calling, I thought he was calling very good plays in the preseason, so this is the time now. You're against Mike Zimmer, Coach Zimmer, an excellent defensive coordinator who's known for making adjustments on the fly, especially at halftime. So we need to adjust to Zimmer's adjustments. Coach Taylor needs to play that chess game because Zimmer is going to constantly be changing up things based on what we're doing. He's going to find weaknesses and exploit them. So we have to be one step ahead of the game. And again, especially at halftime. Because Zimmer's going to come out of halftime and he's going to know what's going on. He's going to have a whole new plan. It's not going to look anything like what he did in the, in the first half unless that's totally working. So it's up to you, Coach Taylor. Let's make the adjustments. Let's show that you're going to be a top-notch offensive coordinator. This is going to be a definite proving ground. And I'm behind you. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, as far as offense goes, here's some strategies that I thought might work. No particular order. I just wanted to throw some things out that I think would be effective against this defense and in game one. So I, I'd say you do a lot of, if you I know they like to do empty backfield, but I say you do a lot of four wide receivers, burrow in the shotgun, and like kind of like a personal protector. Whatever the case is, don't go five wide. Don't go four with a running back and put him in motion and now Joe's standing back there, back there by himself. Let's keep someone in there for most of this game. And I know that limits you a little bit. They're, they're going to start keying on that. They're going to start ignoring the running back in the backfield if you're not doing anything with them. But I just think it's wise. We need to ease Joe Burrow in. It can't be seven-step drops and empty backfields. And, you know, you have to you have to give him a little bit. And I think the sacrifice we make in this game is you have one of those backs that knows how to block, be a personal protector on your pass plays. 
And then we're going to have to be creative, especially against Zimmer. I'm saying you need to disguise formations. You need to do a lot of shifts, a lot of motions. It can't just be we're going to line up Vanilla, and then he's going to narrow it down to, all right, when they line up like this, this is the set of plays that they're doing. So I think everything needs to be disguised. A lot of times you see teams get lazy with that. You see the first couple drives, they're doing all these shifts and all these motions, and then they start settling into the game. They stop being as creative with disguising formations. I think this has to be four quarters of just total mystery. You have to get a step ahead of Zimmer or else he's going to bury you. And although I say Zimmer makes adjustments, I still think that you script your first two series. A lot of times we and other teams script their first series. I'd say let's go in with two scripts, regardless of what he's doing, unless it's a total disaster. Because when you script plays, you can really set things up. Right? You can have, just on a smaller level, you can have a wide receiver doing some stops and some comebacks on the first couple downs, and then you're setting up that corner for something big over top. Or you have it where the corner's covering one guy who's running deep aimlessly, and then another guy who's running deep aimlessly. You kind of like tire out that corner. And then on third down, now you, you, know, you make them defend the slant or something like that. And then you think about your rights and your lefts and exposing the seam. There's so many things that you can really set up when you script. And it's a little less pressure for the coaching staff if you have everything scripted. So you can't really script more than a couple series because teams make adjustments and they will blow you out of the water. But I think game one, let's script the first two drives. Trust me on that. I think it's going to work. And then I think another effective weapon in this game is going to be passing the ball to Mixon. Whether he's that personal protector and you send him on a swing pass or stuff like that, or you just have specific plays designed to him, I think you could do a lot of damage with him in this game. And I want to see Chris Evans, obviously, and they're going to be using him a ton this year, and I think he's going to have a very productive year for us. I would say the first game... I don't know how much I would use him. And it's kind of contradictory because he's the perfect guy to be throwing passes to out of the backfield. And I would bring him in for a few plays, but for the most part, he was blocking very well in preseason. I'm not going to argue about that. But I'm a little nervous about him facing a Mike Zimmer defense for the first time, his first NFL game. I just want everything to be really focused on protecting Burrow as much as you can this first game because it's going to take him a little while. Like I could see Burrow coming out and throwing for 300 yards. I could see that. But I could also see it taking a couple weeks for him to feel normal again, take a couple hits. You know, when he takes that first hit, we're all going to be going crazy. So back to the point, you know, this might not be the game where you want to have Chris Evans blocking on Zimmer's crazy third down schemes. So I would I would use him sparingly for this game and let his role develop as the season comes. And also there's some other types of plays that have been very successful for us that I don't think I would run that much this game against a Zimmer defense. Not too many screens, because that does expose Burrow to hits, and he's got to keep moving. And, you know, if if there's one mess up up front and the guy gets there too quick, Burrow's taking an unnecessary hit. So I would limit our screens. I would limit our deep dropbacks. You know, not no seven-step drops unless it's really necessary. Keep them to a minimum. Uh, it's all three-step drops or shotgun and go. And they were doing a lot of misdirections in preseason, which are going to work this year. But again, first game, I don't know if I want to have Burrow go right, you know, make everything like it's going right, and then go back left. It takes a little time to develop, and I just want to limit the hits on him in the first couple games of the year. 
So I would I would reduce the misdirections, and I would also reduce the play actions too, because again, it's more time with the ball in his hands, more of a chance that he gets hit. Especially Zimmer, if he knows the play action's coming, he's just going to send someone after Burrow to hit him regardless whether he hands it off or not. We want to avoid all that. And then find Nick Vigil. He's going to be there in there on passing downs, so whoever he's covering, get him the ball. If he's in there on a running down, scheme it up so you make sure you have an offensive lineman going straight at him, a, a guard that's uncovered that's going to go after Vigil. You know, I'm sorry. When he was a Bengal, he was very frustrating and not effective, and I see vulnerability there. So when you see him on the field, you find a way to go after him repeatedly. I think that's going to work for us because their other linebacker is amazing. Kendricks is one of the top linebackers in the league. So let's find Vigil and go at him. And then the same thing goes with the corners. You know, you have Breland out there. You have Patrick Peterson out there. You have Mackenzie Alexander out there. They're all very good. You know, Peterson slightly declining. I think Breland played pretty much as well as him last year. So you have to pick your poison. I would say I would go after Breland and do what I was saying before. You know, one play is covering Chase. One play is covering Higgins. One play is covering Boyd. You know, you're just driving this guy crazy. So if you want to be successful on the outside, you just have to pick a corner and scheme it up where you just go after him. And once he breaks and you find things that work against him, you exploit it, you get that whole defense thinking differently. Now they're they're giving help on that side. Now that frees up mixing a lot more. You know, there's a lot of ways to go about this. You just need to be creative and don't be afraid to find a weakness on that defense, and there's a couple, and just hammer it home. Now, as far as concerns when we're on offense, you know, you think about the Vikings. They have a very good defense. They were kind of middle of the pack last year, which which is not like them. It's like this with all teams. You know, it's an NFC team. I don't follow them too closely. So you think about the big names like, you know, Anthony Barr, Sheldon Richardson, Everson Griffin, those guys. And those guys are very good players. But if you look at what they've done over the last couple years, whether it's injury or age, all of them, their play has slowly declined. So a lot of times you go in and you see guys on paper and you're like, oh, man, this is a great defense. But if it's a team that you don't follow you may not realize that there's a slight drop-off on some of these guys. So there are vulnerabilities here. It's not it's not going to be a top-three defense in the league, and you know all these big names that we're familiar with are just going to be playing as good as they did when they were 26. It's, it's a little bit different than that. But still, you have to be on guard. You know, Griffin knows how to rush the passer. Richardson can clog the middle. Barr's a very active linebacker when healthy. And Daniel Hunter, he didn't play all last year, but he's another big-time pass rusher for them. You have to see which version of those guys shows shows up this year. But Eric Kendricks is going to be a force. You're going to have to find a way to keep him at bay. Because if, if you don't get a body on him, he's going to be making plays all over the field in the passing game and in the running game. And then Dalvin Tomlinson, he's a player that's on the rise, so he's going to be able to clog things up in the middle. It's going to be a nice test for our center guards, you know, seeing what we can do, seeing if we can move that guy. They do have a strong secondary. I know I referred to Breland and Peterson. You know, those those guys are very established veterans, whether they're on top of their game or even a notch lower than they've been. They're still going to be very productive players. Hunter Smith is a very good, strong safety and a player on the rise. So, you know, you're going to have to be aware of him. And I could see him blitzing as well this game. And Mackenzie Alexander, you know, he was one of my favorite Bengals from last year. He's going to be matched up with Boyd in the slot. Hopefully we saw enough from him when he was with us last year that we can exploit some of his weaknesses but if he gets going he's going to make things tough for Boyd in the slot I think Boyd has that advantage 
but he's not just going to run all over Mackenzie Alexander. And then lastly, we're going to have to worry about Coach Zimmer confusing our offensive line. You know he's going at Hopkins and Suofilo. He's going to test the center who's coming back from a knee injury. He's going to test, I guess, technically the number five offensive lineman on our line. You know, watch for stunts, watch for crazy blitzes, watch for just anything Mike Zimmer. All right, on to defense. So I think we're fortunate because it seems like our pass rush has improved, and it's good that you have a pocket passer in that first game. I think that's more to our advantage than having like a Lamar Jackson there. It takes a little while to get used to that. you got to start scheming up. If our guys are performing like they did in preseason, you could start teeing off on him. So I think that if we can affect him into a turnover or two, that's going to be big for us. Man, I'd love to see Hodge get a strip sack on him. I'd like to see Hendrickson pop him a couple times. Even up the middle, maybe maybe Reader frees up Ogunjobi. We, we get a nice blast on him right up the gut. You know, you keep that pressure coming all game, you're going to force this guy into mistakes. And then you have the whole blitzing option. You know, you send Hilton out of the slot. They have two really good receivers. You know, their three and four receivers aren't as much of threats. You have Jesse Bates that can help out in coverage. You send Hilton. You send Bell. So let's see some linebacker and defensive back blitzes on top of some front four pressure. Keep the heat on Cousins. That's the key to stopping this team. And then you have to help Eli Apple. And I don't know what Eli Apple we're going to get because I haven't seen him play in preseason. I'm hoping that he comes in and he's productive and he's functional and he's a good starter. But you know they're going to be going after him. And to have Jefferson and Thielen, you know, they can kind of take turns and take their pick. So I think you have to swing a safety over to Apple's side. We'll let Awuzie sit by himself on the other side. If he plays like he did in preseason, we're going to be fine over there. But I think to start the game, give Apple a little bit of help. Let him get his legs underneath him. You know, hopefully as the game progresses, he gets to form But for starters, let's not be foolish and first drive, there's a bomb to Jefferson one-on-one with Apple. Then you have to key on Dalvin Cook. You have to really know when he's in the game what's going on. All right, they're going to be running. Oh, this is going to be a screenplay. Wow, he's going to be blocking, and they're going to be going to the outside guys. If you could figure out Cook and his tendencies, and that's going to come with, as we know, they watch a ton of film, but that's going to come with film study. You want to see how they're using Cook. And be on top of it. Because if he gets going, then it's going to open up the outside guys. They have that three-headed monster, and it's going to be big trouble. And then the other thing that we need to do is we need to take advantage of a first-time play caller, Clint Kubiak. And that's Gary Kubiak's son, so he's obviously been, been around football his whole life. I'm sure he's very knowledgeable. But it's hard to call a game for the first time in the NFL, no matter who you are, no matter how intelligent you are. There's a little bit of a learning curve. You know, You see that all over. So I think that Coach Anarumo really needs to win the chess game against Kubiak, and I think that's very possible, being that this is his first game. He was their quarterback's coach for a couple years, so he he obviously knows Cousins and was good with that. But we saw that ourselves with Zampezi. He was the best quarterback's coach for a decade, and then he comes in as offensive coordinator and struggles a little bit. Let's hope that Kubiak has that same learning curve and we can really take advantage of him and be on target to win this game. Concerns? Cousins can heat up. You know, you can force him into interceptions, but if he heats up, here's a guy that can put 400 passing yards, three touchdowns on the board at will. I've seen it. We've all seen it. So the key is hit him a lot, confuse him a lot, force him into an error or two, get in his head, and hopefully he doesn't light up because he he can and he has the receivers to do it. And as I mentioned before, the other concern is the three-headed monster. If Jefferson plays like he did last year, 
He's going to put up some numbers this week. If Thielen does what he normally does, and we talked about Dalvin Cook, you know, he's he's the key to it all. You get him going, and there's going to be problems. So they have three very good skill position players that we have to worry about. You know, those three, you stack them up against a lot of teams, three main guys, and they stand pretty well. So this is going to be a good test. You think of the Vikings as a, as a defensive team first, but that was how they used to be. And I know they have a defensive coach, but their guys got a little older. The defense hasn't been as productive, but the offense has been lighting it up. And then on to special teams, it's got to be a time for some big returns. Darius Phillips kind of as the starter now. He's returned a couple punts in his career, but now it's like you're the starter. This is your job. He's going to be all jacked up. I can see him getting a big return, especially with our special teams unit. They block well. They tackle well. If they make the mistake of kicking to Brandon Wilson, you know, he's always a threat to go 40-plus yards on a kick return. So let's hope that we get a couple of them this game, and it's very possible. And they have a new punter. They've been juggling around punters. Their kicker's kind of middle of the road. So a perfect opportunity for Phillips to do something in this game. And then the last thing on special teams, you turn McPherson loose. Oh, 59-yarder at home, warm weather. Let's go. Put him out there for a 61. I don't care. Anytime you're remotely close and it's fourth and long, you let this guy kick the ball. I'm hoping for three, four field goals out of him. And he's the hot hand right now. He's He hasn't missed in preseason, barely missed in practice, just came off the 57-yarder. Everyone's calling him Legatron. So you ride the hot hand. Of course you want to score touchdowns, and touchdowns are going to win games. Field goals often don't win games. But if we're going to be in this time of possession, field position, battle kind of game, we'll take every point we can get. And I think McPherson is primed and ready for the challenge. So let's turn him loose. Joe Burrow has a great game. Joe Mixon has a great game. We get two touchdowns, one passing, one rushing. We move the ball well. Three McPherson field goals. We limit them to two touchdowns and two field goals. Maybe there's a turnover that happens. 23-20 Bengals. 1-0, and and here we go. X's and O's with Sands. All right, we're here with Sands. Sands, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Frank? All right, my friend. It's great to have you back on. I know we kind of took the summer off, and you've had quite a busy summer from what I've seen. Your Twitter's exploding. You're appearing on every show in the world, and it's very well-deserved. So glad to have you back. Yeah, thanks. It's glad to be, I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened, but yeah, I have a bit of a following now. Oh, of course. It's that football knowledge and that personality that we all love. All right, you know what? Let's get right down to business. So what do you think about the Bengals' offseason and the roster in general? What What are your thoughts on everything? I think the roster moves we made, for the most part, were good. Uh, as long as Chase gets over this drop thing. Um, but it's not like Sewell's looking good either. <laughs> but uh, I do... I still have a mild concern that I don't think we did enough with the offensive line, where I would love if your guy Spain and Suofilo fought for a spot and then we had a veteran good player at the other spot so that it's not both of them starting and then if one gets injured we're down to Deontay Smith who looked good or Jackson Carmen who looked okay in the preseason and they're both rookies it's just with Burrow's health where you want him taking as little shots as possible so that's the one area of concern really is the offensive line both depth and really on the interior i think you want a starter that's 
a little bit better than Zemus Hufilo. To me, he's a backup swing. I'll play any of the interior spots type guy. Great but, observation. I don't mean to interrupt you there, but great observation. You're right. It would be good if, if it was Spain starting Suofilo as the number three guard and they had someone with experience there. I think they were hoping that was going to be Jackson Carmen. And although I, I'm going to defer to you on this, I thought he had a very good preseason, but it just doesn't seem that he's totally ready to be that guy. I thought it got better as it went on. The first game he had some... He has some concerns for me, mostly because I'm looking at how is he pass protecting with Burrow's injury if he has to start. And he did all these, well, it's a jump set where you get on a guy quick. You basically, it almost looks like a run block for the first step or two. And he did that like every snap. And sometimes it was okay, but he gave up like three pressures, I think, by my count. And I was like, that's too many against backups. Like, you need to dominate these guys if you're going to look to be starting week one against... (laughs) Mike Zimmer's defense, but I thought he looked better as it went on. I hear you on that, and I I thought the same thing too. I thought the first game, I was like, man, he's just not ready. And then the second and third game, you start. I started seeing a lot of strength and power from him. I'm not. I can't. I can't vouch for his pass blocking skills, but he does look like he's going to be a mauler out there when he gets it all together. Oh yeah, his hands, I think, were the most powerful I saw in the draft class. Or his punch, it just it moves people like he he throws his punch out and they're moved a gap and a half over or something it was really cool to see love it all right so that's the offensive line what about the rest of the roster defensively it sucked to lose joseph osai who looked really good in his first preseason action and now he's gone for i think the year there's a lot of there's concerns but it's like do our linebackers look better this year and i don't know what you would have done to fix that other than bringing in a veteran type linebacker, which just takes away snaps from them. So they can't really improve that much or as much as you want them to. We have more cornerback depth, but I'm already scared that Eli Apple is starting <laughs> because Trey Waynes might be out. Uh, but I mean, the depth is good to where now Darius Phillips is the fifth cornerback. So I think we went after run stoppers. Like we went after DJ reader, Last year, and then this year, we're bringing in Ogunjobi, who's pretty good at stopping the run, pretty good rushing the passer. He's just very inconsistent. And we re-signed Sam Hubbard, who's a better run stopper than he is anything else. And I'm bringing in B.J. Hill, who I think is known for run stopping. So it's all these guys. We want to put people into third and long situations so that we can blitz Mike Hilton off the edge and things like that. Yeah, and I would say... I don't think there's anything more frustrating in football when you can't stop the run, when a team can just at will run the ball down your throat, get first down after first down, kill the clock. I think the most demoralizing thing is if you give up a long seven-minute drive for a touchdown, and then you go three and out, and they go for another seven-minute drive, and the quarter's over. I think that's the worst. And we've seen that. Oh, that's killer. Um, what about the skill position guys for us? I like them. I like Provided Chase gets over this thing he's going through, <laughs> I think they all make sense. I think T. Higgins is going to be a monster this year. I think this. I think he's going to show that. I guess this is a little bit of a hot take since we took a wide receiver at five overall, but I mean, I think Higgins might be the best wide receiver now and maybe even for the future. I mean, he looks really good in preseason. Maybe I'm buying into the hype, but I mean, he looks bigger. He was already like six five. <laughs> everything. He looks bigger. He's faster than he looks. Like. His pro day, just throw it out. He runs like a 4-5 flat. 
to me when I watch him on film. Like, he can get behind a guy. He was running these routes where I was like, a big guy shouldn't move like that. Um, Tyler Boyd is Tyler Boyd. He is the most solid member of this offense, basically, where, I mean, that's that's the guy. I mean, chalk him in for 100 catches and 1,000 yards if he's healthy. I mean, like every year. Jamar Chase is the wild card where I don't know if I believe his 4-3-4-40 time because that's faster than Deshaun Jackson. But if he could be the 4-3-8, flat, I mean, that's the deep threat we needed this whole time. Like last year, we tried to force AJ to do that. And then Joe Mixon. I, I love Joe Mixon, the player. I mean, he's one of the top 10 talented most running backs in the league, which is saying something with how many good running backs there are, is – vision which to me is just everything you do before you hit the line of scrimmage setting up your blocks it's not just seeing the hole and hitting the hole you got to set up those blocks to help your offensive line things like that and then after i mean any back that's 220 plus and never fumbles i mean that's that's so tough to deal with that's a bell cow and he can receive he can catch the ball too and pass block. I mean, he does everything now. He looked better as a pass blocker. I think he took Ndamukong Sue in pass protection in the first preseason game. I was like, whoa, okay. That's that's awesome. And, yeah, I'm thinking that Mixon and Boyd are going to be very strong in this offense this year. And you're right about Higgins. I always talk about the routes that he runs. That's such an understated skill that he has that people don't realize. But, you know, you, you can be this all-pro receiver as far as like your measurables and your catch radius and all that stuff. But if you can't run the routes, you're not going to excel. And it looks like he's a guy that can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's what really, the only thing he's missing is top, top end speed to me. Like that's the only thing that stops him from being like, like a, like a Calvin Johnson, where instead he has to become like an Alshon Jeffrey Brandon Marshall type where he's, he's big. He runs good routes. He's physical. He's got great hands, everything you want. Uh, That's, I'd love to be proven wrong, and Chase is better, like, this year. But, man, I'm, I'm just thinking, like, man, T is going to go off, like, just looking at him. Yeah, I'm hoping that all three of them threaten for 1,000 yards this year, and it's very possible. The only negative impact, if they're all going for 1,000, means that Burrow's going to be dropping back 30, 40 times a game, and that might be a concern. What are you feeling, you know, what do you, what do you think the keys are to keeping him healthy this year? Uh... It's going to vary week by week, but I mean, we can already get into week one a little bit where it's going to be so important, especially week one, but to just stay ahead of the chains. And that doesn't just mean running the ball to get to third and four, but throwing a quick pass rather than dropping back on second and seven, dropping back like a five step drop and trying to throw some ball either deep or intermediate, like not just throw, throw a quick pass here. Let's gain five yards. And then it's third and two. And we've seen it with Zach Taylor. He loves going for it on fourth down. He's very good at it. So that's where you can take your shot to me on third and two where the defense, they're not teeing off. They're like, this could be a run. We don't want to give up first down. And that's that's like the perfect time to hit him with the shot play is third and two um, rather than, especially this week coming up, first and 10 or second and seven. Where to me, I think, I think at least early, it's going to be key to stay ahead of the chains staying in third and short no that that's great and actually you educated me there too i'm thinking about that third and two normally i'm just thinking of a good concise play to get the first down but you're right if you're if you're at least at midfield and you're in that four down mentality you can you can really gamble on third and two and third and short so um 
sorry, I was just going to say, I've actually seen coaches now to stay ahead of the chains. If they know they're going for it at the 50 and it's third and six, they'll run the ball because they know that the defense is trying to tee off on the pass. And they'll say, we'll pick up four and we'll go for fourth and two. Yeah, and I think analytics played a lot into that because you see a lot more teams go for it on fourth down now. So it, I, and I'm not an analytics guy. I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. But I'm almost assuming that analytics have proven that fourth down isn't just a, a field goal or punt down anymore, that it is a legitimate down to try to get a first down. Yes, and especially especially around midfield. Uh, that's, like, I think the biggest change analytics has made is we need to start going for these fourth downs. Like, you're punting and saving 20 yards of field possession, but if you get this first down, you're scoring. All right, let's take a total right turn. Let's talk about the upcoming Week 1 game. I know we're both really jacked up for it. What concerns you about the Vikings? Offensive, offensively, defensively, coaching, what are your concerns about this game? Well, for one, I do think they're the better coach team, just Zimmer. As the guy in 2013, we should have let Marvin go and move Zimmer up. But it is what it is. Um, for the Vikings offense, the main thing that's going to concern me, and Dalvin Cook definitely concerns me. I think he has a case to be the best running back in the league. He's powerful, elusive, he's fast, he's everything you want to be a running back. He's mixing with extra speed. <laughs> um, a little bit smaller, but he's never had an issue with that. Um, so he concerns me a little bit, especially if he can get one-on-one with linebackers, because our linebackers have proven last year, and maybe they're better this year. Hopefully they're better this year. But, I mean, Nick Chubb in Week 2 took advantage of that. Like, he got to the linebackers, and they weren't tackling him. But really what concerns me is Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, because Trey Waynes looks like he'll be out. Uh, Chidobe Awuzie and Trey Waynes already were a little bit of a mismatch against those two, because I think they're very good players. And then you start looking at, it could be Chidobe Awuzie and Eli Apple. And I think that's big advantage for the Vikings, where they really, they could, and there's ways to stop it, brackets, moving a safety over there, whatever, playing its own. I mean, they could just see, okay, we're going to put Jefferson left, Thielen right, which one's Apple covering, and we'll run a comeback or some type of isolation play to go one-on-one against him because I know we're going to win. And maybe Eli Apple plays up to his draft pedigree and he stops it, but that would just that that's what concerns me about their offense is that they have two very high quality receivers and we don't really have two really high quality outside cornerbacks if if Waynes is out. And then what about uh, defensively? Defensively, um, it's really what I just talked about staying ahead of the chains. I think it's going to be hard to do that against the Vikings. Not impossible, but I mean, you look at their front, other than Stephen Weatherly, who's fine, and Nick Vigil, if they play him a lot, which we know him. <laughs> um, Michael Pierce, very good nose tackle. Dalvin Tomlinson, very good run-stopping defensive tackle. who can play some nose. Sheldon Richardson, a very good defensive tackle that can play some nose. All great run-stoppers. Daniil Hunter, one of the best defensive ends in the league. It's like, okay, running the ball is going to be hard. Not impossible, but hard. And then Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr, who are also very good at stopping the run as their linebackers. So then that's why you look at, like, if we just try to run the ball twice and then throw on third and four, we might not hit third and four. We might still be third and seven sometimes. So that's where you think of got to throw quick passes. But, yeah, I think they might get us into some third and longs, and that is where Zimmer just makes his money. He is, by my account, maybe the best third and long defensive coordinator in the league. 
we don't want a repeat of what Wink Martindale did to us, where Burrow got sacked like four times and hit about ten. So you don't want to put him in a situation where he can get into his pressure packages with those double-A gaps and things like that. You want to put him in a situation where he has to worry a little bit about the run as well. Because I think you could take advantage of these corners. Like Breland and Peterson and uh, Mackenzie Alexander's pretty good, but Tyler Boyd's also really good. Uh, you look at like whoever else they have. Like Those guys are fine, but that's what we have T. Higgins and Jamar Chase and all these weapons for. This <laughs> is to go against these cornerbacks who are just fine and you pay your guy to be better than that or you draft your guy to be better than fine. But you can't do it third and long when Zimmer's bringing the heat and Burrow only has a second and a half, two seconds to throw the ball. How do the Bengals go about winning this game? Yeah, staying ahead of the chains on offense, getting the third and shorts, and then that's where you, that's where you take your shot play when, they're have to, when they have to worry about the run. Uh, or second and short if we can get some big first down games. So limiting third and longs, I think, for offense would be my game plan if I was the offensive coordinator is we need to do well on first and second down so that we don't get into these third and long situations. Then on defense, I really like the advantage we have. Rashad Hill is a swing tackle, should be a backup. He's fine. He's not terrible. He's not Bobby Hart pass protection, but he's not also very good in pass protection. That's what you pay Trey Hendrickson for. So isolate that matchup. Try to get him some wins against Rashad Hill. Garrett Bradbury struggles a little bit with power, their center. And DJ Reader is one powerful dude. <laughs> so try to isolate that matchup too. Try to get pressure that way on them. You got to stop Dalvin Cook, of course. But you don't want to be in, you don't want to let Jefferson and Thielen go against your cornerbacks for three seconds plus. So you need to, you need to get pressure. So pressure the quarterback. I gave a few examples of how they could do that. And Mike Hilton off the edge, of course. And staying ahead of the chains on offense. Sands, how do people find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. And also now I write for all Bengals, Sports Illustrated affiliate uh, for the Bengals. And uh, I'm on Locked On Bengals uh, as a contributor weekly. McLeavy Minute. All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Frankie, how are you, buddy? The countdown's here. Oh, yeah, my man. I am so excited. It's good to hear your voice again. Quick question for you. How do you feel about the Bengals offseason? You know, after the draft, I was leaning towards the offensive line, Sewell. But, you know, after they took Chase, you know, I started thinking more and more about maybe it is better they went with Chase due to the fact that, you know, Burrow could get those quick passes to him. I think it was more harder to find a replacement for a receiver than a lineman, thinking that maybe they would find an offensive lineman, free agent, or surprisingly, maybe a team cuts a lineman that they would pounce on like teams do to a six-round guy outplaying a guy, a money guy, so they'll cut the money guy uh, and go with the, the late rounder. But surprisingly, there wasn't too many available. Still, I'm worried that they did not find, and there was still plenty out there that they still didn't address the offensive line. 
Tony Pike, the ex UC Bearcats quarterback, uh, was doing camp reports for the local uh, radio station, Cincinnati. And he's a good judge of, you know, being around. He was, uh, he was drafted by Carolina. Uh, so he, was, he played in the NFL. In the pre, you know, in the practices, he said that the two tackles, Williams and Reef, were, were great. The tackles are locked down. The guard center was like there's Spain is playing half decent. But the, the other positions are, guys are terrible. And that's what we saw in the preseason. They started Jordan, I think, the first game. And then uh, the draft pick they had, Jackson Carmen, he came in a little overweight and was terrible. So he was saying that up the middle, it's going to be, unless one of these guys slowly shows that they can handle it, it's going to be interesting. And look what happened. They cut Jordan, Spain, and Sulafio, I guess, are the starters with their hope in uh, Hopkins can bounce back and show what he did previously in the past years. Uh, I thought a lot of ifs, Frank. They got rid of, they traded Billy Price. That's for them not to address that offensive line is mind boggling. Evans looks. Evans' running back looks good. He looks like uh, a really good running back that could take the place of Giovanni Bernard. On the defensive side, Darius Hodge that came out of nowhere, who they put with the starters, and he was going against first-team offensive linemen, which is good to see, not like he was going against third-teamers and putting up good pressures. It's going to be very interesting, like I said, on the offensive line, how they come across on the first game. No, good insights. I'm agreeing with you on a lot of those points. Uh, what, how are you feeling about the upcoming season, Tom? Well, you know, that offensive line is... Uh, I, I just don't understand. you got a franchise quarterback that was hurt last year. Coming back sooner than expected, and... You're not, you didn't help him other than Reef. Going against Minnesota, like Tony Pike said, if Mike Zimmer sees a glaring problem on that offensive line, he's going to exploit it until they can stop it. You know, the running game is going to help, but I can visualize Joe Burrow throwing the ball 50 times a game. I just can't see Joe Mixon get going with, uh, with this offensive line. I mean, I'd be shocked if he, if he does. I'm hoping Mixon can uh, get the runs going. But I just I just see Joe Burrow throwing the ball 50 times and every Bengal fan holding his breath every time he goes back to throw. I think the defense is going to be okay. You know, remember, these are the same coaches we have. You know, we were killing these coaches last year, and they're back, you know, a couple different guys there, but he's still running this thing, and, you know, they were killing them after games. If Joe Burrow was throwing the ball 50 times a game, I just don't see him winning. Unfortunately, you know, I'm a big-time Bengals fan. I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't see it 
a good sign playing out this season. Two things. How do you feel about them in the AFC North? I see them fighting for third place. I mean, I, I just don't see them being able to compete with the Clevelands and Baltimore's. You know, these got those two teams had solid pieces on their team, and they still went out and got people to shore up certain areas, offensive line, both teams. You know, you name, let alone starters. How are those backups gonna gonna do on the uh, offensive line? Because you know, there's gonna be injuries. Williams is, you know. He'd say he's guaranteed a spot on the injury reserve, and hopefully Reef can hold up. But you know the other those two other teams went out and got help for backup positions. So I mean, I just see us fighting Pittsburgh for third place. Yeah, I know injuries can kill you and set you back like that. And you're right. I mean, if we have an injury to Jonah or Riley Reef, we're gonna have some problems. It's it's gonna look. You know, similar to last year, if if that's the case, unless the guys behind them improve, but it's it's going to be Fred Johnson, Isaiah Prince, you know, maybe Deontay Smith, the rookie, maybe they kick out Spain to tackle, but you know, those aren't ideal options immediately anyway to fix the offensive line if one of those tackles goes down. I agree. They they they'll end up doing the old late blocking. You know. Oh, sorry, sorry, Joe. They'll be the first one to help him up when he's down. But I just don't see. I I just can't believe this team didn't spend money, and they have the money, Frank. Didn't even sign Bates to an extension, and they have the money. So I just hope I'm wrong, Frank. What grade do you give the front office on the preseason, in, in all reality? See, no, I just they you know they got help on the defensive side. You know, looking at the chase pick, okay, you know he's having some drops. I'm not worried about that. You know, maybe being out that last year, you know, not used to contact and uh, you know catching the ball with immediate contact. So I'm not worried about that. But you know, not not getting more help on that offensive line. What do you think the record is going to be for this season? Let's just, I know it's really early. Anything can happen, but just considering everything, what do you say the Bengals are going to do in 17 games? 7 and 10, 6 and 11. And, and if that happens, which I, I know I spoke to you, we've spoke about this before. You know, with all these LSU guys, is Joe Brady the next head coach? Because if 6-11, 7-10 record, you can't keep this guy anymore. If Zach Taylor doesn't get nine wins this year, you can't have him back. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Vikings game and a preview of the Bears game and we're also going to have Sands and Tom McLevy back again to share their thoughts on everything. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. 
This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.